0: You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Meir, on this Friday afternoon. And since it's Friday, you know it. It's time for the Agenda Cafe. And I'd love to welcome back on the program, Karen Ko our wonderful co-host. Karen, it's great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm good, Noreen. Great
1: to be here again. Every Friday as usual. Uh, everything's working. We're Favorite here. time of the
0: week. <laughs> yes. And we have a show. Exactly. So and yes, Facebook is working. Yeah, so, case.
1: um, <laughs> yes. So today, as you mentioned at the top of your show, it's Friday, June 4th. And in case listeners didn't know, June is Pride Month. And Pride Month is celebrated all over the world for the entire month. And the focus is on uplifting LGBTQ plus voices honouring LGBTQ plus culture and also continuing the advocacy of LGBTQ plus human rights. So um, we are doing our show today about Pride Month and we have two guests joining us to help us explore what this means, what we can expect, what the issues are both globally, and, but especially here in Hong Kong. And we're delighted to have Dennis Phillips. Dennis is a TEDx speaker and the creator of Out in Hong Kong. Out in Hong Kong is a platform uh, which he created and has over 6,500 members. And it focuses on sports, fitness, and outdoor events for the LGBTQ plus community. And Dennis is also co-chair of... Gay Games 11 Hong Kong, which is happening next year, uh, Asia's very first gay Games. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well later on. So, Dennis, welcome to the program. Great to have you.
2: Thank you, uh, Noreen and Kevin, for uh, inviting us.
1: Wonderful. And then we're also joined by Emery Fong. Mm -hmm. So, Emery is a talent acquisition leader. He's also a Gay Games Hong Kong volunteer by day. And he is also a podcast host. He has a podcast called awkward turtle at work that's what he does when he's not doing his uh, day job so with gay games hong kong he's a football coordinator a local outreach volunteer and uh, a podcast host for a cantonese gay games hong kong podcast and he's also a key member of the gender diversity advisory council so Emery, thanks for joining us today thank you for having us excited
3: to be on, on
1: Yeah. Well, for listeners who don't know, let's just talk a little bit about the history of Pride Month because if we really go back to when it started, it didn't really start as a as a happy story, did it? Maybe um uh Dennis, do you want to take
2: that first? Yeah, that's a good point. So, Pride Month is a remembrance to uh, what happened in, in 1969 uh in New York um in, in at the, the Stonewall bar, yeah? everybody has seen probably the, the images that the fight started between the LGBT community and, and the police uh, and really trying to get more um, uh, rights um, arranged. Uh, and that's just the remembrance of, of this month. Yeah? And Pride actually is an acronym for personal rights in defense and education. Really? I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, that's very interesting because on one hand, of course, we always think about rainbows and lots of parties. But on the other hand, it's a very important element is, is to go look back what we have done in the past and, and also how we get on, 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 on this journey. And I think it's also good to remember that in many places in the world, being LGBTQIA is still not accepted um, as, as, as in other places in the world, yeah? especially in places in Asia where we are there's uh, there's still lots of things to be achieved, um, and that's a place where two thirds of the world population lives.
1: Yeah, actually, when you look at um, what the case is in Asia, I mean, I don't know whether you know offhand, but uh, how many countries are you know are um, have, for example, legalized? Um, first, well, we know there's not many that legalize same-sex marriage, but at least um, homosexual relations and lesbian relations.
2: I don't know the figures by heart, but you can see over time, in, in the last 20 years, you see things have really uh, changed around the world, yeah? And personally, from, from Holland, um, and, and exactly 20 years ago, uh, the Netherlands um, approved marriage equality yeah? as the first uh, country 20 in the world. Wow. Yes, yes, yeah. we have in April, yeah. So yeah, the world has, is, is slowly um, making some good progress. Uh, it, I personally believe this has been an evolution. Uh, step by step generation by generation
3: yeah um emory how how important is pride month to you yeah um i think is it's very important to me and i think it i think a lot of the times you know we we always say oh it's great for the community for lgbt plus but i also think the focus should be for everyone right um it's not just for lgbt plus community Is your Neighbours, it's your friend of a friend, um, your, you know, your sister, your nephews, um, who are also now in this community now is obviously, um, compared to, you know, 20, 50 years ago, um, it's a very different landscape. So definitely it's an important month for us. Uh, but I definitely think it's also very important for, you know, everyone um, in the in the world as well.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit how Pride Month is being celebrated in Hong Kong. Uh, this year it is a bit special because of the pandemic. I mean, how, how is this year sort of different from previous years? What have you sort of got planned?
2: So that's a good question. I think Hong Kong is a little bit different than the rest of the world anyway, uh, because Pride Month in in, in June is celebrated in most places, but in Hong Kong, we also... um, Some of the events normally take place in October, November, uh, because of the outdoor temperature and having events in the middle of June during typhoons. So normally what you'll have in October and and November, there's the Pink Dot uh, event. There is also the Hong Kong Pride Parade, the Hong Kong Gay Lesbian uh, Film Festival always takes place in in October and November. Uh, So June often always, there are some events always in the past and also this year, but I think it's because of the pandemic situation and much more uh, smaller. And I think lots of events are taking place virtually. It's lots of corporations who are doing lots of um, events, gatherings with their diversity and inclusion uh, team.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I sort of also want to catch up with you, uh, Dennis, about uh, the development of Gay Games 11 uh, Hong Kong 2022. It's just next year. I mean, how are, how are plans going? Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, can you give us a bit of an update?
2: Yeah, that's great. So we're only uh, 18 months uh, away from the Gay Games in November next year. Uh, and maybe it's good to give a little bit because you asked about the history uh, of Pride Month. So maybe it's also good to give a little bit of history of, of the Gay Games. And mm. um, so the gay game started in one thousand nine hundred and eighty two uh, by an olympian dr. Tom Waddell um, He was an out uh, athlete and he participated in a Me- in, in mexico uh, in the Olympic Games. And you probably have all seen the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games right where all the the athletes are marching uh, into, into the, onto the the stadium and he, he He participated and he thought this is such an amazing experience walking as an openly gay man in, in the stadium and being applauded for, for being who I am as a human being. And then he thought, I really want to give this experience to everybody, especially the LGBT community, uh, because it's a unique experience. So then he started an event, and he called it the Gay Olympics. Uh, but two months before the event, uh, the Olympic committee sued him for using the word uh, Olympic. So last minute, everything had to be changed into, uh, into Gay Games. Uh, and that was a relatively small event with about 1,000 uh, participants. Um, and the guest of Star during the opening ceremony was Tina Turner. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> used that really to, uh, to restart her career. Uh, and, and, and of course, we didn't have social media, but there's still lots of images to find uh, with her performing. So that was the first Gay Games. And since then, the Gay Games have been held all around the world, uh, most of the times in North America, in Chicago, in New York, in San Francisco, um, and three times in Europe. Uh, the last Gay Games was in Paris in 2018, and then 2002 was in uh, Sydney, more close to home, but, but Sydney is not Asia. So the Gay Games, um, we started bidding against uh, 19 other cities five years ago. Yeah, so there were about 19 other cities, including Washington, D.C., Guadalajara, Austin, uh, Salt Lake City. Um, and we had to put a bid book proposal in place, uh, and then we got shortlisted against Washington, D.C. and Guadalajara. And then in 2017, we had to go to Paris for our final presentation. And I was sitting for three days next to the mayor of Washington, D.C., uh, who was really uh, happy uh, that, that she was there before she, she, uh, she lost uh, Hong Kong. Uh, so this will be the first Gay Games in, in Asia. Um, and the Gay Games is open for everybody to participate. Yeah? And I think that's a very important element. Yeah? So regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, race, disability, the minimum age is 18 years old, and that's the only requirement. Yeah, so it's going to be a 9 days event. Um, it starts with the opening ceremony in the Hong Kong Stadium, yeah, the Wadby 7th Stadium. And, mm-hmm. and close your eyes for a second, and think about that massive stadium filled with 30,000 people. And then 12,000 participants are standing outside that stadium, dressed up in rainbows and unicorns, and they walk through the tunnels onto that football pitch, being applauded by those 30,000 people, that really is a, a life-changing moment. Yeah, because imagine that you come from the Philippines, from, from mainland China, Cambodia, or even here from Hong Kong, and you're not out, and you walk to that stadium, it, you'll never, ever forget that. So that's the opening ceremony. Um, and then we also have some singers, performances. It's a very high-lifting, power-lifting event. Then we have 36 sports, and, and Emily will talk about that more. Um, taking place, including dragon boat racing, esports, and also trail running. Wow. Uh, And then we have arts and culture. And then we have also several arts and culture events, uh, performances by choirs, orchestra, bands, um, and also the gay games is a very important element is the memorial events, uh, because Mm -hmm. in 1982 was also the start of another epidemic, especially in the LGBTQ uh, community, the start of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Um, and lots of members of our community have passed away so the gay games is a very important element is, is people who passed away uh, of hiv and aids and also from cancer um, and also we bring several memorial quilts which are pieces of, uh, of, of fabric which are created by family and friends who passed away and those quilts will be displayed uh, in tycoon
1: mm.
2: in tycoon will also be an art, a very big art exhibition uh, organized by Sir patrick sun from sun pride foundation then we also have a festival village, which will be in the central uh, part of Hong Kong, where we have performances every night, um, oh. DJs. Amazing. So it's, a bit, it's a bit like a clock a flap, time to <laughs> and dine, combined with a yoga festival, but then for nine days. So Dennis, this, I mean,
1: this really sounds amazing. And I'm sure after all these pandemic lockdowns, it's exactly what we need. Yeah. But what do you hope the more lasting impact will be on Hong Kong?
2: Of having an event like this? Um, it's a very good question. If, if you go back to our purpose, right, the purpose of the gay games is really to bring diverse groups of people from all around the world together. And, and using sports, arts and culture, the community and fun to create a positive impact. Yeah, because imagine that we all four of us go for a run tonight, and yeah? we have some fun, um, and we build lifelong friendships. Yeah? It, it, we really believe that the gay games will put a different perspective on being LGBTQ and also help down the, the, break down the, the stereotypes.
1: Yeah, um, Emery, just coming to you, when, when you look at Hong Kong, you know, nowadays we have so many conversations among business leaders at least, and, and also some other parts of the community saying, we need to be more diverse and inclusive because that's mm-hmm. good for everybody. Do you see that Hong Kong is becoming a more diverse and inclusive society?
3: um yes and no uh i think definitely you know if you compare it you know, even to two years ago i think obviously there's been changes being made but there's still a long way to go uh but i think that's the same thing with you know, every kind of i guess movement or any kind of thing that you're trying to change right is going to take over time um you know things like gay games we, we're not going to say that oh as soon as it's happened everything would be all great for the lgbt in hong kong or asia it's going to be one step at a time, uh, but I think no, I'm very positive. You no, know, I'm starting to see, especially this year as well. Um, you know, companies, corporates, especially are, are being very, very vocal uh, about Pride Month. I'm doing lots of different DNA training, seminar, webinar, and things. So I think you know there's definitely a very positive change coming.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so what sorry, what sort of concrete improvements have you seen uh, taking place for the LGBTQ plus community?
3: yeah uh well, I can start talk about my uh personal experience a little bit on here um so to give a listeners a bit of background um so I identify uh, as male uh, but I was born um female uh, and I worked in a corporate setting where um I was also a sales so where you know my name uh was very important you know clients had to know how to find me uh, and things like that as well um last year, I started my transition journey medically uh, meaning that I take hormones and things like that as well uh, and obviously things in my body start to change uh, and then the name change happened. Um, so which meant because of the work I do uh, it was very important for me to you know uh, make sure people can know where to find me. Um, so what I did was you know just like my, my, my employer at the time um, there was no issues at all. Uh, I think rather um, the, the way we kind of did it was that they didn't really know uh, how? what's the approaches or what's the, you know, there's no step-by-step guideline to, on what to do. Um, so what they were saying it was just that you take the lead on this, whatever you want to do, we will kind of support you uh, in a way. Um, so I think that was really nice uh, where, you know, it is a very personal thing um, and I was able to, you know, use my um, kind of use my own narrative to go through it. And then since then, you know, uh, companies have been sort of reaching out and, and asking, you know, for, for different talks and things like that as well. Uh, and through kind of um, posting my um, situation or, or, or kind of, I guess, change uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and that's actually how I got in touch with Gay Games as well. Um, so, you know, things like this, you know, um, I think by, by people we speaking about more openly um, in a corporate world, especially because Hong Kong is still very commercial, financial hub, right? I think it's very important that corporates in Hong Kong um, kind of takes the lead on these things. Uh, and then, yeah, and you sort of start to trickle it down um, to everywhere.
0: Yeah. And you're very lucky that your employer is very supportive because there are examples where people would be fearful to live their truth or, or to really sort of come out to, to say how they really feel. Um, Emery, uh, you're also a key member of the Gender Diversity Advisory Council. What's that organisation? What do you do there?
3: yeah so um it's part of kind of uh we advise the gay games um on um gender diversity experience um so you know for a transgender person uh, there's so many little things that let's say uh uh, uh uh a cis kind of gender person would not kind of register would be a problem so things like changing rooms things like uh, filling out forms when you um, fill out gender um, title and things like that, uh, your name and things like that. So, you know, we basically have a council committee uh, and then we invited quite a lot of the people in the community in Hong Kong as well who are in the um, LGBT plus community with uh, a focus of transgender um, and then letting them know what we're trying to do to accommodate people um, kind of like us uh, and what we can do to really drive that experience. So, for example, um, we made sure the form, the register, uh, registration form, you know, how we word um, words or how we, you know, when you enter uh, when you fill in your genders and things, you know, everything is kind of put out in a, the best possible way. Um, so, for any transgender people to come over um, for, for gay games or from Hong Kong, you know, they feel very comfortable throughout the experience. And I think that's a key message that, that we always try kind to of do in gay games. Uh, and, you know, having that committee is actually really helpful because, actually, even for myself, you know, I, I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really know because I know I, I'm a cis, um, transgender male, but a transgender female might see things very differently. Um, so it's great to kind of have that all in one room all together. Um, I'm still bringing some ideas. And Oh yeah, I didn't really realize this could be a, a, a problem for somebody else. And I think that's what you know, diversity and inclusion is, right? There's never one straight answer. You've got to take in everyone's perspective and that's kind of what we do.
0: I like that I pun think- you did there. No straight answer. But we're, I'm afraid we, we need to break. Uh, we, we need to break for the 2.30 news. Let's continue this really fascinating uh, discussion that we're having. We um, had some of this discussion in the office later on. Perhaps I'll share that after the 2.30 news. Uh, we're speaking uh, with Den- uh, with Dennis Phillips, uh, who is uh, the co-chair of the Gay Games 11 Hong Kong in 2022, and also Emery Fung, who's a talent acquisition leader and also Gay Games volunteer by day and podcast, podcast host. Uh, by night and uh, with uh, Karen Coe on today's Agenda Cafe. Uh, For our Facebook uh, viewers, uh, we are still going to be broadcasting live on Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, but we'll be breaking for the news. So do uh, stay with us there. A quick look at the weather forecast for this afternoon
1: welcome back you're listening to the agenda cafe this afternoon with me karen ko and noreen meer on rthk radio 3 and uh today we are talking about pride month um, a lot of issues to dig deep into and to help us do that we're joined by two wonderful guests Dennis Phillips, who's a TEDx speaker and the creator of Out in Hong Kong, which is a fitness, uh, sports and outdoor events platform for the LGBTQ plus community. And Dennis is also chair of Gay Games 11 Hong Kong 2022, which is Asia's very first Gay Games. And we're also joined by Emery Fung, who's a talent acquisition leader and Gay Games Hong Kong volunteer by day and podcast host of Awkward Turtle at Work by Night. So we're also on Facebook Live. So if you go to Noreen's Facebook page, Noreen Near uh, on RTHK Radio 3, you can see as well as here, Dennis and Emery there. And of course, we'd love to have any of your comments uh, and questions, so feel free to to drop a comment in that um, Facebook live as well. So um, before the break, Emory, you were telling us your story. And I think there were two things that kind of really struck me um, is that I guess there are a lot of people in the community and of course, corporates who uh, want to do the right thing. But as you said, they don't know how there's no guidebook. There's no sort of standard on how do you, Um, provide for non-binary, you know, gender people at work. So is there a way to provide some education or to provide some guidance um, to to all kinds of organisations in how to do this the right way?
3: Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it is uh, a learning process. Um, Like I kind of mentioned earlier, it was still a learning process for me because obviously I haven't gone through the process either. Um, So when they were like, do what you want to do, and we support you. And then that I was like, oh, actually, I don't actually know what I want to do either. Um, so we kind of just kind of talked it out and see, you know what was the best way, um, in in the most kind of uh, uh, uh the best way to kind of communicate with candidates, clients, colleagues in the office, different officers um, that we work closely with as well. Um, but definitely things like obviously have um sharing experiences, um, especially from the community. Um, so you know it's great. You know companies are now having lots of DNI inclusion things. Um as a part of their kind of must-have within the HR umbrella. But, you know, um, you never really know how much there is to cater to unless you've gone through it. So, you know, for example, like uh, when I was going through um, the transition, the name change, I completely forgot, it might sound very obvious, but I completely forgot that we had to change our business card um that was a very last thing that we did we're like oh we completely didn't that was like it sounds very obvious but it's little things like this and then so it was a, a process but i think you know the more people do it in, in the corporate world the more people with the more kind of i guess the blueprint if you like um we start to sort of think about oh what needs to be done uh but for sure you know um definitely sort of having more guests out or having more people talking about exactly what they're going through um and i think the, the important thing is, as well, is actually for the other people in the office to understand what is happening. Because for, for me, it was very. I, I made it very clear that I didn't want to do it quietly. Uh, I think the more you kind of not talk about it, it kind of creates even like a, a question mark around the thing. Like so, for me, it was very, very important that I was very transparent with everyone. Um, it wasn't something that was done behind the closed doors type thing. Um, but you know, um I think it's it's is really good so far. I mean, the, when I did my LinkedIn post I was very surprised um in terms of how positive it was. Uh and you know, because of that post that you know that I wrote um and I thought about for a long time like, oh should I do this on LinkedIn and things and you know I did it and then it's it's brought me to a lot of new opportunities like joining a gay game. So um it's it's been a really good thing. Um and I think people generally speaking are are a lot more accepting. Um they may not understand it fully, uh, but I think the first step of ah we need to cater for these people um, is a good step to, to, to start
0: Yeah, it comes down to education and the trouble with that is that there are some people in our community who really don't know the difference between gays and lesbians uh, transgendered people, asexual people. Where should we begin this dialogue? I mean we we socialise in circles where um, our friends and people we, we, we chat to will understand this but there are people in the community in Hong Kong who really don't have that exposure that they don't have gay friends, that they don't have trans colleagues. how can we sort of? I mean, where where should we start?
1: They don't even know the difference between gender identity and gender, a uh, sexual orientation. You know, so That's it's right. all like, oh, it's all these terms are so confusing to them.
2: Yeah, I, definitely. I, Dennis, Dennis, you go, yeah. I've been in meetings for the Gay Games on our journey with different organizations, NGOs, government departments, etc. And then on the second slide of our deck, it says LGBTQ. And sometimes people ask, what well, does it mean? Uh, and then you have to spell it out. In the beginning, I thought, wow, why don't you understand this? But then I thought, exactly like you said, right? what we're doing, we, we're doing education on the flow. Yeah? People on the journey, we're taking them away in a, in a very non-confrontational way. We talk about LGBTQ, we talk about sports, and we, and we use the gay games as a vehicle of change, as a platform that people, uh, organizations and companies can be involved uh, and supported. Yeah so so the gay yeah, so, games so, so that's 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 our approach here yeah. yeah
0: so the gay games is not just for you know the um, the lgbtqi plus community it's really for everyone um, straight people can 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 join the gay games but some people will say um, why are you doing like that why not just create an event and create something that's just for gay people and own it and you know have the pride you know have that safe space why L-I-S- why are you including everyone
2: So allies are a very important element because if you're always preaching to the choir, we're never able to make a positive impact. Uh, And by including also allies, we're creating a safe space for people who are still uh, not able to come out being LGBTQ to say, I'm gonna participate with my colleagues and and they don't have to come out. So in a great, we are creating this platform, this event where everybody is welcome, like you said, right? So sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, age, at the minimum age of the Gay Games is 18 years old, but besides that, everybody is welcome. Um, and in the last Gay Games in 2014 in the United States, there was a 99-year-old great-grandmother. Wow. And, and, she, and, she, and she went together with her lesbian granddaughter, and she did 100-meter race, and she set a world record, and of course, she got a gold medal. And it was all over the publicity. And this is a beautiful story, because th- this is the really nice way um, to make some positive impact. And Hong Kong, as we all know, has a very high high amount of elderly people and they're all very sportive, right? If you go to Victoria Park in the morning, you see lots of people doing the sport. So we really believe and hope that there will be lots of um, elderly people um, with their families be engaged to participate at the gay games.
1: Yeah. I mean, Dennis, I think one of the things that we underestimate uh, here in Hong Kong is that it's very difficult for many people to come out. That the family pressures and the traditional... You know Chinese family values have meant that there are for example a lot of elderly men who are gay who either will never come out or just feel like they they can't possibly do it
2: yeah and it was a great movie um, last so, year so, released right so, so,
1: yes we interviewed uh, the director
2: yes yeah, so they learned so he got he got an award this week as well so and and that was a very good story to tell movie to tell that story it's a positive element on a personal level i'm, I'm together with my partner already for two and a half years And in the beginning, at a certain point, uh, he posted pictures of me uh, and and him together. And then his mother finds out and they had a a tough discussion because it was the second time he had to come out. Um, and, And now at the moment, she knows that I exist. She calls me the friend and sometimes she also cooks for us. And, but, but I've never met her, and would love to meet her at a certain point, because I think it's really important at a certain point also to to have the discussion and not and not not confrontational, but at least have that conversation where people can be slowly introduced.
0: Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's not just personal to you. Um, you know, m- my, my husband Andy was always referred to as the friend until we got married. So maybe you just need to tie the knot. It's, maybe it's a, a Chinese-Asian <laughs> thing. You know, it's always the friend until you take it to, to the other <laughs> level. But um, just, just, just on that point of, you know, integration, I, I take that point of, you know, having the, the, the gay game so that it's inclusive for everyone. But, you know, in, in recent years, um, LGBT communities or, or gay villages or, or, or ghettos, have really been gaining prominence, you know, when you have safe spaces, when you have things which are just for your community. I mean, w- would that work in a place like Hong Kong? Um, uh, and and how might that affect uh, integration?
2: Emery, you want to do that?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, um, I... Like I mentioned earlier, I think it's important for everyone to have, have that celebrate together. I think, you know, it, it, it is a probably a more powerful message um, to have that. And I think, you know, it'd be a little bit ironic, you know, if we were promoting diversity, um, having, you know, so many different genders um, that you know, we are not probably used to um, from... Education standpoint, um, now we're learning this all new kind of, um, I guess, the different genders on the spectrum. Um, so I think, you know, if we close ourselves off in that, um, it might then obviously draw different you know, questions out. But I do obviously the good and bad. And that's the same thing with like everything else, right? It's always going to be a pro and a, and, a, and a con. But I think personally, diversity should be the core of everything. I think, you know, um, kind of taking a step back further, you know, the, what we're advocating is just basically saying, LGBT people are just exactly the same um, as everyone else. Um, So kind of that's the key message, I think.
2: And our theme is unity in diversity. And Emery talked about diversity. Um, Unity is a very important element, yeah, because unity, we're able to bring people together um, regardless of your your views on on the world, what the world looks like. But unity, we're able to create discussions and dialogue and also change p- p- people's perspectives in, in a very positive way. So I think that the, the key element is very much also the unity and diversity yeah. element.
0: And, 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 years, and last but not least, yeah, sure. the, go ahead, yes, Dennis. So the,
2: the principles of the Gay Games, the principles of the Gay Games have been for 40 years, because we're celebrating the 40th anniversary, are participation, inclusion, and personal best. Uh, The the Gay Games is not about winning the medal. The the Gay Games is really being part of an event that's bigger than yourself and that experience you will never forget. Because those 12,000 participants and 75,000 spectators who come to Hong Kong from all around the world, they have an amazing week here. And then they go back and then the real impact starts. Because those people go back and say, I have such an amazing experience. Let me start start a sports group. Uh, Let me start something positive for my community. And so I always talk about the snowball, the snowball which starts rolling during and after the gay games.
0: Yeah, I was
1: going to so say, I'm just sorry, I'm just curious, since you want, since Hong Kong has won the gay games, have you had any people come out in opposition to say, oh, we don't want this or we shouldn't have this in Hong Kong or this is bad for Hong Kong? And, and if so, what do you say to them?
2: Uh, Yes, I think people have been critical about this, but I think once you have a dialogue and explain also what is the purpose of the gay games, people get a better understanding of of what we stand for, right? When people um, see what what our purpose is, how we are organised. So we are a a registered charity organisation. We have about 170 professional volunteers working on this. People who are professional in the day job and in the evening, they spend lots of time working and organising this event. And, and, and then people really understand this is something good for Hong Kong. It promotes Hong Kong as, as Asia's city again. But it will also have a positive impact. And again, everybody is welcome to join here. So I think that's the key element. Yeah, it, it's going to be one of the biggest multi-sports events ever held in Hong Kong.
0: That's so exciting. And that's how change happens. I mean, you've been in Hong Kong a number of years, uh, Dennis and Emery. Um, how do you think attitudes are, are changing, e- even from the work that you're doing at the Gay Games and, and sort of promoting it? Um, what are people's reactions when, when you tell them about it? And, and is that, are attitudes uh, changing slowly? D- Dennis?
2: Um, one story here. We have a, a volunteer on our team, Solomon. He has been with us for five years. And, and during the bid stage, when we had to create our bid book proposal, 300 pages, we had about 120 letters from different organizations and companies. And he went to his um, employer, which is a sport event company, and he wanted to include um, that letter of support. But then he had to tell his employer that that he's gay himself, and he did it. And it's quite interesting because since then, you really can see that he changed. Uh, so these are small things. What what happened? But it's quite interesting that all along this way, on this journey, people get involved and and have a positive impact, and we're building a community of people and um, and 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 use the Gagasan as a platform for positive change. There, yeah, Emery. Yeah, uh, for me, I
3: think I definitely see it a lot more um we, we're talking about going around shopping malls or in the street um you know luckily in hong kong we never we went to like a full lockdown and uh, so we're still you know able to go out and about right um uh, i think in the past year i've noticed it more and more that i actually see more people openly holding hands um same-sex um couples uh and i think it's, it's definitely more of a accepting uh environment i don't think you know uh i think kind of, you know, obviously there's still the generation gap in an education sense where, you know, you can't really expect people um, who have never been exposed to that kind of um, environment or or these different genders and different sort of relationships to kind of switch on and, and understand it fully. Um, but, you know, from my experience, you know, when I talked to my parents about it, they they were the approach where the very typical Cantonese family, um, my my dad worked in the government um, for all, all his life, very traditional kind of, you know, the typical Hong Kong family. And, you know, it was obviously um, a big thing for them to digest. Uh, but I think, you know, what, what they said was that, you know, we don't really understand exactly what you're doing. Um, but we can understand it. Uh as long as you're not doing anything that's you know harmful to anyone or, you know, beaten, if yes. you're not doing it for the sake of someone else, then obviously go do it. And I think you know the you know, I think, you know, if I spoke to them about this maybe ten years ago, that would have been a very different reaction. Uh similar to talking about friends about it, uh, or even to, you know, um at work, you know, I think a couple of years ago I probably would not have the courage um to be so open. Uh but You know, uh, now I think people are very, very, especially now I think with the internet, right? With the media, with YouTube, with Instagram, it's very easy actually to see. Uh, there are these people kind of out there may not so much in Hong Kong we see every day but at least we're seeing it on telly we're seeing it on the newspaper we're seeing it in athletes you know athletes are also talking about it in the sporting world uh, and, and that really helps to drive conversation That's such a great
0: point I mean how much of it comes down to representation in the media I mean growing up uh, watching TV watching the characters well especially on Chinese TV here in Hong Kong you don't see sort of um, uh, uh, lesbian couples or anything I mean now with Netflix we're, we're seeing more I mean how important is his representation uh on the telly
3: very important for me because um when I was growing up um I didn't we, we didn't really have iPhones right Instagram was really a really thing <laughs> Facebook you know that kind of stuff so for me it really took me a long time um to exactly understand what I was feeling myself let alone telling other people how I felt right um and you know with the, the 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 most famous example you know Kelly jenner uh, a couple of years ago uh kind of in the mix of the sporting world and the entertainment world as a whole um that was a, a big change for you know how people saw it and i think you know without those people at the very top um even just making, you know, making one or two comments now and then, um, it does really drive a lot of change. You look at Elliot Page, um, uh, after his transition, you know, there's been so much news um, on mainstream media, which would never happen before. Um, so I think it's very important that we actually have these things that we have see in the media. And, you know, um, especially for you know, in in the world of social media where we have lots of KOLs who does, um, you know, marketing for for different brands and companies. I think it's also very important for those people to speak up as well, whether or not they are LGBT themselves or they're just any other allies. Yeah, I think it's also
1: um research and data is important because that's what drives a lot of change i mean i th- just earlier this week there was an article that talked about a, a recent survey in hong kong's financial sector that revealed that lesbians in particular tend to keep their sexual identity secret because they're afraid that their careers will be hurt um if they're open so w- the study was done by lingnan university and they surveyed over 100 um, lesbians in the financial services sector. And some of them said that, um, they were told, um, that they couldn't have client facing roles because they weren't presentable. They were too butch or too masculine. So they were put in backroom jobs and sort of IT roles where they didn't have to meet clients. So, it, you know, which shows us that everyone's experience is, is different. And um, they also said that it's actually a little bit easier for gay men, because there are more gay men who are leaders who have come out. Um, and it's generally easier for male identifying people anyway. I mean, what do you think about those kinds of issues?
2: I, I think if you're not able, so imagine you leave your home in the morning, you need to leave your half of your personality at home and you're not able to bring your whole whole to, to the office. Uh, and it means that that when you have a chat with your colleagues about the weekends, you cannot talk about that adventure or, or hotel station you get with your partner. That means that you're not able to be your true self, right? So it means you're always, some part of you is hiding yourself. That, that also means that you're not able to give you 100% of your energy and focus there. So that clearly has also an impact on your performance from a mental perspective, And especially now with the COVID situation, um, the mental situation, of course, with the globally has impacted so many people. So not being able to be who you are, that definitely has an, an impact on you. So that's why when employers are more open and willing to support anyone, yeah, regardless of what you look like or where you come from, that really has a positive impact also on, on, on your employees' workflows, right? Because if you bring your 100% self with you, you're able to be more free and to be able to to dress yourself or put put a picture of your partner on your desk yeah, and to be proud of who you are.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, although, as we've said, a lot of a lot of corporates are pretty good, especially the multinationals. You know, they're probably leading the way in terms of really making an effort to be um, inclusive. We still lack legal protections in Hong Kong. And at the end of the day, that's what really makes a difference to your day to day life. When you, when you have to deal with government departments, when you have to deal with anything, you know, that, that's legally related. What is your hope in terms of how laws can change in Hong Kong? Maybe, Dennis, do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, for the Gay Games, is really bringing people together and and creating a a, a, a platform of of changing perspectives and views of of people and and using the Gay Games as sports, arts and culture uh, to change their perceptions. We really believe that it will help to to change that perception um, between now and the next two years in the community. Uh, you mentioned research that has been done over the 40 years of gay games. There's been done lots of research about the impact on the gay games. And also in our team, we have two researchers working together with different universities to do research about the different words being used before and after the gay games and also the, the perception of, of being LGBTQ and before and after and how the gay games can help with, with that perception.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, dealing with the government, there can be a lot of red tapes. Uh, We would know we're RTHK, we're part of the government. Um, In dealing with the government and the gay games, have you sort of met with any challenges? How supportive has the government been in terms of the planning and going forward?
2: That's a very good question, and we get that question a lot. So the government has been very supportive from the beginning um, of, of the gay games because they really believe that this is a good event Um, And like I said, right, it's going to be one of the the biggest multi-sports events ever held in Hong Kong. Uh, We estimate the economic impact up to one billion Hong Kong dollar and and there'll be 300,000 hotel room booking nights uh, and there'll be millions of pictures on social media, hashtag Hong Kong. So from the beginning, the Hong Kong government has been working very closely with us and tweeting us just like every other sports event. I'm uh, talking on a regular basis, the Hong Kong Tourism Board, the Equal Opportunities Commission, uh, and we're talking many to, to other departments, to sports organizations. Um, and, and That's like really said, encouraging what in the last to hear. Years. Exactly, exactly. And, and what happened over the last couple of years over Hong Kong, uh, and globally, we really believe that this is, uh, will create a positive impact uh, in, from a social perspective, from economic perspective. But we also need some fun yeah, after what happened. And, and sport is a great way to have a fun Uh, but but in in a positive way and the sports events are an important element of that yeah Yeah. well
1: finally Uh, oh yeah sorry go on karen oh no emory i was just going to say back on on the legal issue i mean you would be familiar with this as a trans man um you know there are restrictions for example on you not being able to change your id card you know the gender on your id card so what what do you feel would help in terms of any kind of legislation that would just make your
3: life easier day to day Yeah, so this is definitely something that is a big topic um, in in, in the community. You know, different countries have different laws and different regulations. So I know there's quite a few countries, um, especially over in Europe, uh, where, you know, you don't actually need to go through um, such extent to to change your gender um, on your legal passport, legal documents. Whereas Hong Kong, for the time being, uh, is still that, you know, the view is that you have to do the full um procedure um before you can change anything um on your id now that obviously brings a question uh what about non-binary people who doesn't identify either end right um so that's obviously something that we need to sort of really look at but you know little things like that able to change you know your gender um your names um it makes my life so much easier because there's countless of forms that we fill in you know in, in our day-to-day lives you know when you go to the bank when you do various things right and you know for for me that's always the most daunting part because the way I I look when I fill in the form, right, and they're going through the list or you're going for immigration. There's always a bit of you sometimes that you feel, oh, uh, am I going to be in trouble? Um, But we should not kind of feel this way. So there's definitely so much that we can do. uh, And other things that, you know, having, you know, insurance policy um, for same-sex marriage and and partners and things like that as well. Um, So there's a lot for us to do, especially in Asia. uh, But I think, you know, definitely on the right track. And hopefully, I think with the push of Gay Games next year, that's going to change a lot of things and really accelerate that conversation. I know a lot of people already behind behind the scenes working very hard on this. So by having these kind of events um, at this kind of scale as well, um, will really drive that change, I think.
0: And we're speaking to two from the team who are working really hard for this. Uh, Final question uh, for you, Emery and Dennis. What are you hoping the Gay Games can achieve? I mean, next year, only just 18 months away. What are you hoping that uh, the the, the Gay Games can, can achieve here in Hong Kong? Emery?
2: Yeah, um,
3: I just really, I, I, I'm so excited because I, I do a lot of sports, um, and, you know, doing sports is, is, is a big thing in my life, and you know, able to kind of be yourself fully in sport, um, it, it, it does really change a lot of things it and it really onto your life, and I think everyone should really enjoy the atmosphere and, and knowing Hong Kong, it is a very small place, and knowing that it's going to be 35 sports all happening across the nine days, the atmosphere, the adrenaline, the energy, um, it's going to be like a, a something that I think. Hong Kong's never seen before. And I think, you know, it's going to be a really great message for everyone who may not know anyone in the LGBT community that they they think, oh, this happened November 2022. Um, Oh, it's just a very normal thing that happens uh, in the world. Yeah. Dennis?
2: Oh, it's a very good question. I mean, we have been working on this for so many years already, mm-hmm. and, and there's so many layers on this. I think, like Emory said, that of course, it's one, one hand the nine days event with so many people together from all around the world, building lifelong friendships, having experiences, uh, having people having fun, and great sport events, celebrations, and seeing some arts and culture moments, but also art exhibition. I think there's so many layers because it's quite a big event. Um, And I think it's going to be something unique only once in our lifetime in in, in Hong Kong, because this will never be again here in in, in Hong Kong. It's it's held every four years. And having this here and, and being part of an amazing team of volunteers, I think it's a unique experience to work already with so many people. But uh, my, my, my last question to you, Noreen, is what is your sport and will you participate at the gay games? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that's a big question. Well, okay, well, do, do you do badminton? I love badminton.
2: Yes, we have badminton. Oh. Yes, I think we expect about a badminton players. So oh, wow. You better start we training. Yeah, I know. better start Pre-registration already uh, uh, open. I think we have about 900 uh, 900 people already pre-registered. So definitely come and and it will be great to have you playing, Noreen. Fantastic. Well, Dennis, um,
1: if people want to find out more about both the gay games, but also anything or any events, uh,
2: virtual or otherwise, going on for Pride Month, where can they go? Go to our website, gghk2022.com. And, and then you can see how you can pre-register, how you can be involved. We're, looking, we're always looking for professional volunteers who want to support us on this journey. And so really get involved, yeah? Be involved in this unique experience once in our lifetime in Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, fantastic discussion today. Thank you so much uh, to both our guests uh, this afternoon. We were chatting with Emery Fung, who is a talent acquisition uh, leader and also Gay Games Hong Kong volunteer. Uh, Emery also hosts a podcast of Cantonese Gay Games uh, here and also the podcast host of Awkward Turtle at Work and a key member of the Gender Diversity Advisory Council. Also, many thanks to Dennis Phillips, who is a TEDx speaker and also the co-chair of Gay Games 11 Hong Kong in 2022, Asia's very first gay games. You heard it. Uh, Once in a lifetime opportunity here in Hong Kong. We're not going to get it again. So it's going to be on uh, next November in 2022. So this is really exciting. We hope uh, many of our listeners will be able to join in, participate, join a sport, be a spectator, be an ally. Thank you so much, uh, Dennis, Emery and Karen, for your time this afternoon. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. Thank you you. for having
2: us. Bye. Bye.